everyone, and welcome to another episode of Smells Like Business, where you can learn more about the current and future state of cannabis, CBD, and hemp in Europe. We talk to different cannabis experts and entrepreneurs, making it easier for you to enter and better understand the cannabis industry. I'm your host, Tom, and today we have Margaret Arnold on the show. Margaret is a cannabis author and investigative journalist who has been covering different aspects of the cannabis industry, especially here in Europe, for many years now. She writes as a freelance journalist for The High Times, The Cannabis Industry Journal, and Dope Magazine, just to name a few, and she has written two books on cannabis. The first called Green, The First 12 Months of Modern American Marijuana Reform, which, as the title suggests, talks about cannabis reform and legalization in 2014, especially in Colorado and Washington. And the second book, which we discuss in this episode, is called Green 2, Spreading Like Kutsu, which is available in both English and German. In the second book of the series, Margaret covers the different events that unfolded during 2019 in regards to cannabis reform in Europe, and in particular, Germany. Margaret is also a cannabis entrepreneur, advocate, influencer, and patient, so she understands this plant on many different levels. On this episode, we discuss the latest exciting European cannabis news, which is Germany's intention to fully legalize cannabis in 2022. Margaret explains what the current situation looks like in Germany in regards to cannabis, why they are planning on legalizing it, what the process and end result might look like, the challenges Germany will face, and how other European countries will be keeping a close eye on how they approach cannabis reform. This is actually the first of two episodes with Margaret. On the next episode, we dive into some of the latest developments that are happening across Europe in regards to cannabis reform, so make sure to keep your ears and eyes open for that one. We release an episode every other Friday, and the release of this episode just happened to land on Christmas Eve, so this is our Christmas special. This is a great opportunity for us here at Smells Like Business to wish all of our listeners and previous guests a lovely and merry Christmas and, of course, a happy new year. We hope 2022 is a good year for both you and cannabis. So sit back, relax, pour yourself some mulled wine or Glühwein, as they say in Germany, and enjoy the episode. Great, Margaret. Thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time. We're here eventually. It took a little while, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in this wonderful world of cannabis. Well, thanks, Tom. I mean, I've come to this, I think, this industry like a lot of people. You know, it's like a life path as well as a fascination with it. I'm not a spring chicken. I'm actually in my 50s, proud of it. And I have an American accent, but I live in Germany. So I am one of the many, I would say, mutt hybrids that's made their way into the industry. And there are a lot of us, no matter where we are. But certainly, I would say in Europe, because of the different regulatory environment and because it is, in fact, certainly in Germany, so complex, there are a lot of multi-hybrided people who work in the industry. I mean, I would say that's true of you too, right? Yeah, that is true. I am half Danish, half English, but grew up in Luxembourg, believe it or not. So I guess I'm a European mutt, but with a mid-Atlantic accent. That's because I went to a kind of European international school, so I have a slight American twang there. But you're American, but grew up in the UK and have German roots. Is that right? Um, Yeah, I am an American. I grew up in London. 
I've had a very interesting background. I've worked in banking and media and politics. In fact, my first formal introduction to this industry as an industry happened when I was a kid, you know, right out of college, working for the American Civil Liberties Union on Capitol Hill, where we were lobbying Joe Biden to keep cannabis, medical cannabis, in the Americans with Disabilities Act. Tragically, it was stripped from that because of the level of, I would say, homophobia that was sort of front and center at the time in national politics in the U.S. Forget all the phobias about cannabis. Because I did have a lot of gay friends, though, I saw firsthand, certainly through the 90s, the role that this drug played in helping people who were very, very sick with AIDS manage their conditions better. There was always a forward motionless. I mean, I knew the guys at Normal, but I mean, it was never really an industry, right? Even in 1996 in California, basically that was the impetus for the federal government to send in the federal NARCs. So it was not really where I saw myself. Fast forward until the first decade of this century, and I was, you know, working in banking in New York, and then all hell broke loose. I got sick, and I got sick with a rare neurological condition called dystonia, which is off the charts in terms of their ability to treat it really effectively. The most effective medication is Botox, which is grotesque poison. And I was allergic to that, as long with all of the other medications that I had. And again, for European audiences, this is not quite the same situation in the United States. If you get sick like that and you lose your health insurance and your job, you can go homeless. There's no like backstop, you know, going on disability stuff doesn't really work. I mean, I had a really tough time. I couldn't speak for almost three years. I fought my way into my East Side clinic going, you know, I'm going to sit here until you give me cannabis or I'll die. Because I was that sick. I mean, I, I really couldn't talk. I mean, that was devastating. I lost everything. So when was that exactly? Just for the timeline? 2008 through 2011 period. And then my dad died. My dad was a German Jew and I had tried to bring him back here as well. I think you go through those kinds of major existential struggles in your life. And at that point, you really think about what it is that you want to do. You know, I tried to bring my dad back to Europe and I think it was an emotional connection to coming back to Germany. I also had a hunch that the cannabis industry would actually start to move here first Don't tell me why I had that. I mean, I thought that maybe it would be a German-British play. But regardless, in 2013, I landed here with all of the paperwork that I needed to supposedly quickly get my German citizenship, only to find, (laughs) forget the cannabis reform, that Jews and their descendants who were supposed to be automatically given German citizenship again, you know, if you could prove that you were stripped by Hitler, actually had been prevented from actually getting this for decades. And this is one of the reasons that everyone was having such a hard time. So I actually ended up filing suit. It got more attention after Brexit for obvious reasons, but it went all the way to the Supreme Court last year. And that way, not only did I get my German citizenship, which is awesome, but I opened the door for everybody else. But, you know, I mean, it's kind of like par for the course in this industry. I mean, it's like if you work in the cannabis industry, I think that you are in general used to dealing with the official no, 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 no no to no and have some more no on the side you know it's constant uphill battle absolutely or struggle 100 percent. everywhere so so right now of course you know i think it's wonderful that we're talking now because between the time that we first got in touch and now obviously germany has again taken the lead and i think that you know it has moved forward here however slowly however frustrating but the reality is is that medical reform came here more or less in 2017 the process of bid has not been easy, but that also opened the next discussion and no surprises, really, the new coalition government, the traffic light coalition, as it's being called, has decided that they're going to move forward on this. 
that in turn is going to have an amazing impact going forward. But again, it's not going to be like this is going to be smooth sailing. And one of the reasons I wrote my book about the cultivation bid was because of all of the problems that Germany, you know, land of rules, ran into when trying to adapt those rules to include a plant that had been deemed illegal, if not useless, for close to 100 years. It's not going to change overnight. And there are a lot of problems and challenges along the way, actually, which I'm going to pick your brain out a little bit later on in the episode as well. But it really isn't easy. And actually, just out of curiosity with this bid, because in the book, it recounts the inside story about the first German medical cannabis cultivation bid. And it said it was quite unique development. So can you tell us a bit about the development and why it was so unique? Absolutely. I'm going to put in a little plug for my book. It's called Green 2. It's the second in a series. The first was about the American market. But I mean, this is completely different. So it's called Green 2, Spreading Like Kudzu. And the German title, it was just been translated into German, is Grünzei Wachst wie Unkraut, which is growing like a weed. But I mean, basically, being here, going through the process of not only becoming a German citizen, but also participating in the growing cannabis reform movement here, I realized that what happened, certainly post-2017, was, I would say, tragic comedy. I mean, it was just, it was like this semi-secret thing where all of the big Canadians were coming in and there was all this dastardly movement and then the Germans were excluded from this. I mean, it was like soap opera after soap opera. And there were these really, really big, strange things that happened. I mean, first of all, the government said, okay, you know, after a patient won a lawsuit here, it was back in 2016, there was a patient who filed suit against the government and said, I cannot afford the cannabis on offer in the pharmacies. This is less than 800 patients, et cetera. I'm going to grow my own. And when he was busted, he was like, how dare you? This is Germany. Medication is a national right. I need to be able to afford my cannabis. Because the government was so anti-grow, like home grow, I would say that created the political impetus to actually create the first step in this in 2017, which is when the Bundestag unanimously said, okay, if you're sick enough and the other drugs that we normally treat your disease with don't work, then health insurance is required to cover it. And by the way, that's statutory health insurance. That was the first big step because up until then in Europe, while yes, Sativax and Dernabinol had sort of been around in the conversation, the only real provider of medical cannabis was in Holland, right? It's a company that is still in operation today called Bedrican. And beyond that, there was really nothing. I mean, nothing. So at that point, they also realized that they had to start to cultivate this. So they came up with this very complicated, basically the first time cannabis has ever been included in a European level tender bid. And of course, this is happening right in the middle of CETA, which is another treaty that affected all of this stuff. And another big international, what's called an MRA or mutual recognition agreement with the United States. So there were all of these international high level discussions going on at the same time that patient with nothing was suing the government and they were saying, whoops. So in the middle of all of this, they had a lot of really big problems with it, starting with the fact that in the first iteration of the bid released by B-Farm, which is the German version of the American FDA, it's the medication authority that exists in every country. They started all this by literally excluding all German firms. This is where this completely goes off. I mean, it's the German government saying, okay, we're going to cover this under healthcare, but whoopsie-daisy, we don't want any German firms, even ones with narcotics experience, to participate. So that led to the next thing, which was then they started to get sued. So this is why it became a soap opera. And a lot of this was being done in secret, as some of the big Canadians who I discussed in the book were issuing press releases saying, this is going forward and we're the finalists and there was no such thing. And also in the middle of all of these scandals that were happening, 
You know, I discuss this in the book, and it's got all sorts of interesting things that move this industry forward, including, I would say, the unique practice of IPOs and the reverse shell going public idea. But that also led to a lot of very strange accounting. Let's just leave it that way. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave it at that. But uh, yes, a little wink there. And the reality was, here's the German government saying, okay, we want a medical cannabis industry, and we want this to be GMP, which is the pharmaceutical standard. And we're going to exclude all Canadian firms, except none of the Canadians had EU GMP at that point. So right there, it was the soap opera. It set the scene. Then, of course, all the Canadians came over here and there was a lot of inside lobbying. And I mean, it really was cloak and dagger for a while. This is hysterical because it's inevitable when cannabis reform happens anywhere, it's never smooth. Look at what's happening on the state level in the U.S. So it's a bit tongue in cheek as well. But it also really looks at some of the more innovative firms that I come across. I mean, I am an entrepreneur in this industry as well as a journalist. So I meet a lot of really super interesting people who are drawn to this super interesting new industry. And that by and of itself creates also drama and interesting people. So the book is about the bid in 2019 as the second round of lawsuits were finally being solved. And the industry itself was lurching forward. And again, you know, in a year of big scandals about pesticides and false accounting, et cetera. But I thought that how cool to look at what's happening with these big Canadian firms who are going out there and the smaller entrepreneurs. So that's really what the book is set in 2019. It's very timely now, right? A lot of the issues that we talked about have not been solved. And it looks at the events in the year, the most interesting people while telling the story of basically cannabis reform and suggesting where it might go. So a lot of it is about Germany, although it does look at other events. It looks at UK and Poland, actually. And I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of conferences. So I I try to sort of take the reader into a world that exists that sometimes is hard to access. Certainly it's easier. But when I first started doing this, there was really nothing. And since then, it's really begun to get organized. There are industry groups now. There are really cool industry conferences, one of which I help bring people to, called the International Cannabis Business Conference, which is the first B2B conference in Europe. And those are the kinds of things which are all important for the development of the industry, which is bigger than any one person or any one event or any one firm or any one thing, because in fact, this is a revolutionary movement as well as industry. And there are all sorts of things that have yet to happen. And we are really, really just still at the dawn of all of this. But I do think that it's now going to start to move faster because again, of course, In the last month, the new government here has said that they need to move forward on some kind of recreational cannabis reform. And I think that that, in turn, is going to be the next trigger, just like medical reform in Germany was the trigger here, to move finally this conversation forward on a regional level, no matter how many fights still remain. Yeah, wow. A lot to digest there, but it sounds amazing. I mean, I feel that if Germany, if they sort of change their stance on cannabis reform and legislation, it might cause a bit of a ripple or domino effect for the rest of Europe, because they're also such a big European player, right, as well, but not without its controversy. But are they coming out the other side now? Does the future look bright? Will this bill get passed? Well, first of all, I think unlike the U.S., where there have been several attempts to pass the bill, I think the German politics is still functional enough where if they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it, right? That's also a very German thing as well. very German. I mean, the trains are not always on time here, but, you know, they are most of the time, and German politics tends to function in a certain way. I think that, however, much like the initial legislation in 2017, there are going to be pieces that fall off or going to get sued over again. One of them, I suspect, is going to be the issue of home growth. 
you know, are people allowed to grow up to X amount of plants in their house? So I can absolutely see them putting in this sort of other kind of access issue. Beyond that, yes, I think that they are going to absolutely legalize some sort of licensed regulatory structure. I think that the pharmacies, very much like Switzerland, are going to play a huge role in that. Specialist cannabis pharmacies have had to take a special lead on this role. Some of them, I think, are uniquely suited to being, I would say, a highly regulated outpost before the government figures out from a European perspective what a cannabis outlet might be. I don't think that the many head shops that have existed up until now, like grow shops, are going to be allowed just to start selling it. I think that there's going to be a separate regulatory application. I think the folks certainly in Germany on the medical side, on the distribution side, are going to be in a really interesting position because, again, I mean, it is a narcotic. And while you know I am a patient and I am a big-time advocate and I work in this industry, the reality is that we have to be responsible with this. 100%. Right. And I think that, you know, first of all, yes, I think that there's going to be people who are going to sort of stand on both sides of the fence, certainly in Germany. You're going to see that in Switzerland, too, where they're adopting this model. I mean, I, as proud as I am of Germany, the reality is it has been pushed, kicking and screaming into this through medical use. I mean, Malta is ahead. Luxembourg is ahead. Switzerland is going like gangbusters. And those countries, I think, are absolutely going to push the discussion. All of these countries have been having this discussion, and even the Germans at this point realize that they cannot block this discussion. It's stupid, number one. Number two, you cannot block home grow. And if you have an organized way of getting to that, then that makes sense. I mean, obviously, we want to protect people. Most people really don't want to grow their own cannabis, let's be honest, or have the space or whatever it is. And I think that if there's a way to make an analogy right now, the U.S. in 2012, when Washington State and Colorado went to the polls during a presidential election, and this flipped in both states on the state level, it still took two more years for the initial market start to even happen. And beyond that, there were major controversies, how to regulate it, who gets punished. I mean, what happens once they flip the switch and a patient is caught growing cannabis in their house? Even now, for example, I mean, I've had a couple of colleagues on the patient side of this, right, friends in the industry, one of whom was actually, you know, given a pretty harsh sentence this year. He was growing and he was like F you, right? But beyond that, I think that there's going to be definitely a movement towards acceptance that's going to include how this is going to be sold. And then, of course, there are other big questions, things like edibles, things like how do you integrate this drug in a way that is healthy in an environment where, for example, the German government wants to stop people smoking. There's all, you know, the police and driving issues are going to be absolutely front and center in a way that it has not really been seen before, except maybe Canada. And Canada is very different from Germany. So I think that in many ways, Germany is going to be the first big Western country to look at cannabis reform that everybody can understand. And it will be critical, I think, for driving reform in every other place, including the U.S., so it is, it is a huge, huge development, but not without its controversies, problems, and issues. And then, of course, I mean, there's just from the regulatory perspective, within Germany, cannabis is defined within the Narcotics Act. So, you know, how that is amended and how that's amended in a way to say, okay, obviously it's a narcotic, but it is also X, you know, is it an alcohol, is it a cigarette? So, I mean, those are the things that have to be dealt with. And that's, I can guarantee you, there's going to be more drama and fun on that side, too. It feels like it's still a lot of creases that need to be ironed out, more drama to come. And like you said, you think there'll be a, probably a two-year period, a bit like in Washington and Colorado, for things to smoothen out. 
two years, I would say, let's say they pass it next summer in Germany. Market start is probably not going to be for at least another 24 months, I would say. They've got to set up the regulations. They've got to set up the applications. I mean, you know, the bid took four years. And then, of course, on top of that, I mean, beyond everything else, then you've got the regulatory schemata under which cannabis will fall. Right now, it's supposed to be at EU GMP. But are they going to seriously allow recreational cannabis cultivation to happen in Germany if quickly? I doubt it. So I think a lot of what's going to start to come into the regulated legal market here is actually going to be grown, again, outside the country and come in potentially under that EU GMP pharma import path. It would actually make sense from a control perspective. And then it is sold you know, through regulated outlets. But I think all of those are really, really big question marks. Obviously, you think you're seeing the hemp industry taking off in Germany as well as other places. So I think it's going to be a piece here, a piece there. I think the FDP, the pro-business part of the coalition, definitely wants to have this taxed. I think the more lefty parts of the coalition, certainly the Greens and the SDP, want to see something where there's fairness. And, and obviously, I think everyone realizes that there has to be more change on the medical front, because still becoming a medical cannabis patient here is a pain. And expensive, right? Well, I mean, here's the thing. So if you have statutory health insurance, which covers about 90% of the population, you theoretically, technically are required to get cannabis if your doctors say that you have to get this. Now, once your doctor, or in this case, doctors, I'm actually in the middle of this process right now, say, okay, this person needs medical cannabis. It's a drug of last resort, allergic, or da 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 Then it has to go through a regional approver beyond your health insurer. So at this point, I'm having to get all of my doctors here in Germany, plus probably a few more I have to go find to write statements in support of that. But for most people, I would say that's a process that's going to take six months to a year. In the meantime, how do you afford it? Now, beyond that, of course, it's better than to say the UK, where there have been like, I don't know, what, three cannabis prescriptions, <laughs> some outrageously small, non-defensible amount. And I think that that is the difference. If you really want to see the difference that, you know, what's happening here, as opposed to the UK. At least the Germans have moved the conversation forward. It has not stalled as it has in the UK. And Brexit is not the only excuse. I mean, there has just been one idiotic move after another, including, I mean, this is tragic. Why did NICE leave out people with chronic pain from getting cannabis? That is top reason that cannabis is prescribed actually in sort of semi-medical markets in the US beyond AIDS and certainly in, in the German market. It's chronic pain. What's interesting about this, though, and this is what is, I think, really great news, is that just the fact that Germany, beyond Luxembourg and Malta and, and Switzerland, whatever they're doing, I think the fact that that has moved forward has absolutely galvanized other people and other movements. So that is all for this episode. Make sure to tune in and listen to the next episode where Margaret and I dive into the latest developments across Europe in regards to cannabis reform and legalization. If you want to find out more about Margaret, you can find her on LinkedIn if you search for Margaret Arnold. If you want to check out some of her articles, you can do so by checking out the links in the description of this episode. And also check out her website at www.cannabis101.de. I also highly recommend buying and reading her books if you want to properly understand how cannabis reform happened in the US in 2014 and in Europe in 2019. Also, please do check out our website at www.smellslikebusiness.com and subscribe to this podcast if you like what you hear. I've been your host, Tom. Have a lovely Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And of course, have a green day. Mm-hmm.
Business.